Oh, what you? What are you saying? All you trackies and TV addicts Don't mean to this, don't mean to bring static All you clingers in your grandma's house Grab your back street friend to get loud Blowing doors off inches Grab you with your pinches And no, I didn't retire Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. I am Scott Prather. Joining me now, Aaron Hogan from The Horn, 104.9, 101.9, 1260 AM, all of that in Austin, Texas. Hornfm.com, you can learn more. Bottom line is when it comes to the Texas Longhorns, he is in the know, and he is our guest right now. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? Morning, Scott. Uh, appreciate you having me on. I'm excited about the game in a uh, week and a half. Yeah, it's coming up soon. Uh, all right, do you, do you have a favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? Oh gosh, uh, favorite Beastie Boys. That's that's my neck. That's my my era. There you go. Probably Brass Monkey, Brass Monkey, or uh, Sabotage. Two of my favorites. Some of the traditionals. All right, we yeah. can we can roll with that. Aaron Hogan, our guest. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Longhorns. You know, I. I it's, it's, I've heard a lot of takes from different people on them, but I wanted to have you on. You're there. Uh, you're following this team closely. What What is the expectation for Sark in season number one uh, for Texas this year? That depends on which fan you ask and, and the observers. I mean, obviously he's replacing Tom Herman, who went – they went Longhorns went 7-3 and three last year, and they had three narrow losses, uh, four overtimes to Oklahoma. They lost – Last five minutes, to Iowa State last year, they, you know, their running back fumbled the ball at the goal line against TCU. So, I mean, really, it was a team that that you know could have been, you know, a ten win team potentially and playing for the Big Twelve title. But uh, Tom Herman had soured with a lot of the brass here, and uh, the, the coach team was underdeveloped and undercoached. It felt like with Sam Ellinger last year, and he had a falling out with the athletic director. So the change was made, and Sark is here. So obviously. There's there's a basis for excitement that that you, you bring a better coaching staff, a better play caller like Sark, and the way he can develop offense, and it should be you know better than seven and three. I think would be most fans' opinion, but at the same time, the Big Twelve is deeper and better this, than it's been uh, you know this year with Oklahoma and Iowa State both in the top seven. TCU's got a good returning team for Gary Patterson. Texas Tech could surprise some people. Oak State's always good. So, uh, you know, that I think Sark's in an interesting spot where the expectation might be a little more than the realistic uh, outcome can be uh, because last year was that team that you know had Sam Ellinger and all the veteran players that really didn't capitalize on what was a, a down Big 12 a year ago, and, and now it's back to being strong. So uh, the expectations are kind of all over the board. Uh, for me, I would think, you know, if they could go 9-3 and three and put themselves in a nice bowl game, that would be a great start. And I think most importantly for Coach Sark, it's uh, he's got to put an aesthetically pleasing product on the field because uh, that, that, he's, he's in recruiting battles right now trying to get the footing because Oklahoma's cranking it. Uh, Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher are cranking on the recruiting trail. Uh, and, and fan, and, you know, young 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 high school players don't remember Texas being relevant on the national scene. So the last time Texas was good, they were in, in, in you know, little bit little kids. So it's about the crowd field that, that is going to capture the imagination of these high school kids and then obviously win back this fan base to, uh, to get Coach Sark in there and get into their corner as a guy that they can, you know, go to battle with in the, in the SEC in future years. Aaron Hogan, our guest. Aaron, when you say aesthetically pleasing product on the field, what exactly does that look like in your mind? Um, 
you know, I think what we saw at Alabama with Sark and the play calling and the imagination and the, the big play ability. Uh, Tom Harmon's offense at Texas I thought was kind of clunky and stale. Uh, Sam Ellinger, you know, running the ball as a quarterback more than anything, just developing an offensive identity that, uh, that, that you know, young guys want to play in and, and want to come be a part of. Uh, I think would be my, my definition of that. That And Sark certainly showed that's one of the reasons he won this opportunity is just the, the creativity. You know, uh, we, we talked with Kirk Herbstreet recently, and he compared Sark's play-calling ability, he felt like, to, to, Ryan, to Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day, that those three guys are the, the premier play-callers in college football, and he thinks Sark is in that uh, in that that category, and I think if if he develops this offense around the young running back Bijan Robinson and uh, whoever wins the quarterback battle, uh, that's got to be a product that uh, the that the high school players in the state of Texas and around the country want to come be a part of. ESPN fourteen twenty Aaron Hogan from uh, the Horn in Austin, Texas, our guest. You mentioned whoever wins the quarterback battle, uh, Hudson Card, Casey Thompson. Who do you think starts when Texas opens up on the fourth against Louisiana? But that's a that's the big debate. I, I think it will be Casey Thompson. Uh, he's he's got skins on the wall. He helped Texas win the Alamo Bowl last year. Uh, beat Colorado. Came in in the second half when Sam Ellinger was dealing with a small injury and lit it up through four touchdown passes in the second half. Turned a one score game into a blowout. And you know you know earned earned some respect with the Longhorn fan base. And then you know the, the day Steve Sarkeesian got the job, uh, it was Casey Thompson that reached out to the athletic director Crystal Conti to get. Sark's phone number wanted to call him and introduce himself and get the playbook as soon as he could. And there's a real Jim Rat feel for Casey. His father played quarterback. He's been in the program three years, and and it, you know he he's really worked to, for the for the job. But at the same time, Hudson Card is a top of Lake Travis High School here in the Austin area, uh, four-star player who probably uh, by most accounts has more overall talent than Casey Thompson does. He's got a real quick release. Uh, played wide receiver, as a matter of fact, at Lake Travis his first couple years and then took over at quarterback and, and really had a nice career for the, for the Cavaliers. So, uh, you know, big picture, it's going to come down to where, you know, A, what Steve Sarkeesian thinks who can, you know, win him the most games this year, but it might be something long-term, too, that, Casey, that Hudson Card may have the bigger upside. But if you make me bet and guess right now, I'm going to guess he goes with the experienced player in, in Casey Thompson, at least to start the season against uh, the Raging Cajuns. You mentioned experience, uh, eight returning starters on offense for Texas, seven on defense. I look at the, the, the rundown of the team. I see underclassmen, but I also see a, lot, see a lot of experience, except that you know, perhaps the quarterback position, as you just referenced. But at running back, you got a young one, but one that I keep hearing about every time people bring up the matchup between Texas and UL, B. John Robinson. What makes him as special as he is? What makes him, in your mind, as good as advertised? Because – the way I hear it, people are telling me he could be a Heisman candidate this year. Yeah, in coming years, I mean, he's only a sophomore now. Uh, you know, I think Texas fans were frustrated last year that uh, Tom Herman didn't feature Bijan Robinson more as a freshman. Uh, you know, he'd have these these bursts of, of incredible performance, and then he wouldn't be in the game in the next couple of series. And uh, he, he just flashes everything you want from a running back. He's bigger than you think at 225 pounds. Uh, he's elusive got great vision and will will make people miss. He's got a nice stiff arm in in open field. If he gets to your second level, it's trouble because, as I say, he's bigger than you think. Um, you know, he's had some, some highlight reel runs already in his young career. This is like video games with spin moves and facing, you know, stiff arms on a guy and long runs he's a, he's a he's a game breaker and uh, but he also is going to be asked to be a bit of a workhorse for this team uh you know he 
you know, the, the Steve Sarkeesian has talked about, you know, 20, 25 touches a game for Bijan, uh, also in the passing game. And Steve Sarkeesian has had a 1,000-yard running back everywhere he's been, uh, whether he's a head coach or a play caller. He's always got a feature back that he, he rides. And that's going to be Bijan Robinson. He's out of the state of Arizona. He was a national you know, player of the year kind of guy coming in. And uh, they're going to build this offense around him. I think that's fair to say. But I would also say, Scott, that they've got a deep running back room because uh, they've also, during the offseason, a kid named Keelan Robinson, another Robinson, transferred in from Alabama. He, was, he got starting time, or playing time as a freshman at Alabama. He was a highly recruited national running back that went to Bama. He's transferred in, and he's going to be uh, a guy you see a lot. I think in the passing game, there's been talk about the two Robinsons in the game together uh, to let Steve Sarkeesian do some things with those two guys, and both are explosive playmakers. And then there's a kid, Roshan Johnson, who's a converted quarterback, also brings a toughness in the run game. So you know, I think early, as they try to break in this passing game and whoever the quarterback is going to be, uh, I'm pretty sure Louisiana is going to get a steady dose of, of the running game to try to establish some things and then play uh, on their defense, rely on their defense, and, and a strong running game at the start of the season. ESPN 1420. Aaron, that's kind of been my take on it. It's hard without having you know game film on Texas with Coach Stark as the coach, yet you can go back, look at what he did at USC at Alabama, as you said, and then you look at the roster, and it's hard not to just assume that Texas is going to try to really establish that run first and win in the trenches and then kind of go from there. I think that's the key from a Louisiana standpoint. If you slow down the run, you're going to be in for a good ball game. I look at, you know, when you're scheduling a, a, a G5 or perhaps an FB, uh, FCS opponent for your first game if you're a p5 school i mean oklahoma's going to tulane then they got western carolina iowa state's got northern iowa of course they opened up with ul last year tcu's i think their first opponent is duquesne um oklahoma state's got missouri state for texas they got a top 25 team going into austin and perhaps that wasn't the case when this game was scheduled um years ago but that's where ul is right now their their peak as a program the deepest team they've had and sometimes when you schedule these games, you're not sure. I, I, I would imagine, Aaron, I don't remember exactly when the agreement was made, but I don't know that uh, the Texas AD was thinking we're going to have a, a, a battle of you know top 25 matchups, but network TV, top 25 matchup, Texas has a, a, a really, really solid start the season. Is that something you think Coach Stark likes, or maybe in his first game in, would he prefer a Northern Iowa like Iowa State has or a Duquesne like TCU has? You know, I, I think if you got some truth serum into me, he'd choose one of those warm-up games. Uh, but you know what? I, I know Coach Sark has embraced it. I know Louisiana has the attention of this coaching staff and this team. Uh, everybody knows they went and beat Iowa State last year to start the season and pulled the surprise party. Of course, Iowa State ended up in the Big 12 title game a year ago and won the Fiesta Bowl. So that's no slouch. Uh, Texas knows that. So, I mean, it's firmly is a, it certainly is a game that, that has the attention of the Longhorns. There's no chance of overlooking. Uh, Longhorns will play at Arkansas the following week, and I guess there could be some th- thought of a look ahead, but that is not the case. I'll report to your audience. Uh, Texas knows what they're dealing with here with, gosh, a 10-win team a year ago, all the experience, Levi Lewis coming back. I think it's a great test for Texas. I really do, to, to, to be a barometer of where they are. This is the kind of game they need, um, you know, to, to get ready for the Big 12 and, and establish what Steve Sarkeesian is going to be. So uh, there's no doubt that uh, the Raging Cajuns are, are front and center in their mind to get ready for this week. I mean, they're, they've wrapped up their training camp portion of, of, of camp, and, you know, it's all about, game prep and, and put it in the game plan for Louisiana uh, to really drill it down and be ready to go 
and really, you know, perfected by next week. But they know what they're in for. It'll be a heck of a game, I think. And it's going to be 3.30 in the afternoon, Scott. You know that it's going to be hot as it can be, middle of the afternoon, uh, early September in Austin. It's going to be warm. Well, I know that uh, here they're they're more than ready for kickoff. The fans are anyway, um, and I'm sure they are in Texas as well. It should be a lot of fun. And uh, network TV, I, from a UL standpoint, I, I tell the fans I think there's more to gain than lose in terms of the matchup. Um, from a sure. Texas standpoint, in terms of more to gain or more to lose, how, what do you think the approach is? Because it is a brand-new regime, and yet I know that they want to get started off on a winning foot. No, I mean, it's kind of a lose-lose game for Sark. I mean, if they win, they were supposed to. If they lose it, obviously, you know, Texas fans will immediately be reminded that Tom Herman's first game, they lost to Maryland at home in a game that no one thought they could lose. And um, But, again, I, in different animal, I mean, gosh, we, we cover enough football, Scott. Texas does have the, a brand-new coaching staff, new offense, new defense, um, you know, new schemes to learn and a new quarterback to break in and, and to play a team like Louisiana who has so much continuity on their coaching staff and on their team. They know how to win. They expect to win. You know, if, if Louisiana is going to catch Texas, catching them week one is, is probably the right time for them because I do know, as you said, I mean, if, they, if Louisiana come in here and win that game, boy, it sets them up for big things, big picture. Because uh, you beat a Texas to start the season and then get into the Sun Belt and do some damage, you know, you're going to be a national conversation. Uh, as the season goes on, and I'm sure that's what Coach Napier, uh, that's not lost on him, I'm assuming. All right, final question for you. We, we talked a little bit about um, B. John Robinson and, and the quarterback position. On the defensive side of the ball, Aaron, who is the guy on defense that makes the Longhorns tick that, uh, you know, if, if folks are going to be watching this game on September 4th, the guy that they should expect to hear his name called a lot for the Longhorns? Uh, that would be a, a number zero. They call him Agent Zero. It's Demarvion Overshone. He's a he was a safety converted to linebacker. He's out of Arp, Texas, so there in East Texas, uh, and he's a hard hitting guy. Uh, very. But the strength of the team right now, I believe, is on their defensive line. I mean, that's what Louisiana is going to have to deal with is a defensive front that you know they've got. You know, Joseph Osai was the best player on that defense last year. He's off to the NFL, but I mean, it, there's not so there's not a star name that you know of. They just. Coach Sark has raved about the depth that they have up front. Keandre Coburn, a defensive tackle. Uh, Moro Ojimo is a big defensive tackle. They've got, um, you know, six deep and seven deep on the D-line, and they're going to rotate those guys in on a hot day and be and try to tar- disrupt what Louisiana wants to do. Uh, they've also had some, some transfers come in. They tra- got the, the, the LSU transfer, Ray Thornton. Uh, ben Davis in from Alabama as a, as a transfer, as a, as a graduate. And Ogie Agofu is a linebacker, a defensive end from Notre Dame that transferred in. And I think we'll see all those guys. But if you're, if you're looking for a name that's going to be, you know, if the, if the defensive line does their job, the guy that will be flying around making plays and creating things is DeMarvion Overshone, number zero. Good stuff. Uh, you guys can follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Hogan. That's the handle, uh, and he has been our guest. Great stuff. Getting some perspective from the Texas side of things. He works for the Horn, uh, 104.9 in Austin. Appreciate the time, Aaron. All the best. And, um, you know, if if the two teams play in another sport soon, let's, uh, let's, let's do some radio hits once again in the future. No question. And if you're making your way for the game, hit us up. We'll uh... – We'll, uh, we'll meet and uh, get to know you a little bit when you're coming to Austin. Sounds great, brother. Appreciate the time, Aaron. All the best. All the best.